0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
2: Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom uh I'm Brother Gregory and we're going to be talking again about the Kingdom of God And this morning we were looking at uh, some uh, of 2 uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 4 And uh, we also listened, uh, or I didn't actually play it I actually probably could play it now But uh, but I, I think I'll hold off He's kind of a distraction But his name is Jester, Eric Jester and he's a preterist who is preaching uh, that uh, everything's already done. This is the preterist idea that that uh, prophecy was just for back then, just for the Jews. I mean, there's different levels of preterism. And uh, that is all done away with. But God is the same today as he was yesterday. And if the Pharisees or making the word of God to none effect because of their Corbin. if we were to do something like their Corbin today, anything that would match up with what was actually taking place when the Pharisees and the government of Judea got together and set up a system of public religion through Herod, and thereby, if anybody were to consent, like it says in Proverbs, you know, where where they have one person, they consent, and now, you know, like one purse or one cauldron, you know, we be the cauldron, we be the flesh in the cauldron, then they could be making the word of God to none effect with that system because it was that system of Corbin. Because it wasn't just Corbin. There wasn't no problem with Corbin. There was a problem with the Corbin of the Pharisees. So, like this morning, when we talked, and we do this in many, many, many shows, we try to give you chunks of history, pieces of history, in the context of reading the Bible, and looking at the Bible, and looking at Exodus, and looking at the prophets. What was actually going on at that time? What do the words actually mean? And when we do that, it puts the gospel in the context of the time in which the writers of the gospel were writing or the prophets were speaking or Ezra when he was speaking to the people that were coming from Babylon and going down to Jerusalem. And some of them were doing one thing and some of them were doing another. Now, what they were both doing was very similar. And to them... They thought, some of them thought that they were doing what the ancient fathers of Israel were doing. You know, when they came out of Egypt. And what Abraham was doing when he came out of Ur and Haran. They thought they were doing that. that you know, they, they, they put on certain garbs and they did certain rituals. As they interpreted the text and the context of the Torah. But, of course, at the time of Jesus Christ, there was many factions at the altar. I have an article. Factions at the altar. There were Essenes. There were Sadducees. There were Zealots. There were Pharisees. Each one had a different opinion of what the Torah actually was saying. They had a different faith about the ideology that they constructed from reading the Torah. Well, they weren't all right. Some of them had to be wrong. I mean, it's like the 40,000 different denominations in Protestantism today or the many rites of the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, there's, there's a, a remnant church, Actually, I knew a remnant church that was over in Klamath Falls at one time. The Remnant Church of Informed Christian or something to that effect. I knew some of the people in there. Interesting people. Uh, the, the, the eldest father of that family, fascinating person, became a Christian in Indonesia before World War II. And uh, his parents were Muslim. And so he was immediately kicked out of uh, the church oh i see a hand up somebody has pushed one it those people who dial in and are in what i call the queue uh, people can listen on the show uh at blog talk and and of course this will go out in uh podcasts eventually uh let me get through this and i i'll answer that call in a, in a minute i'll take a question from that but uh he was a convert to Christianity. His parents, his relatives, they were all Muslim, and that's a bad thing in, in many Muslim religions. And there's many denominations in in the, the the Muslim faith. I guess we can call it faith. It's really an ideology also. There's there's many different branch. There's a, there's some that. Interpret the Koran one way, and some that interpret the Koran another way, and and there's an awful lot of people that have become Muslim because the Muslims were going about conquering people, and either you became a Muslim or they persecuted and maybe even killed you. So a lot of people became Muslims, and their parents are Muslims, so they're Muslims, and their grandparents are Muslims, or they and it just went that way all the way along. And I mean, all of India would be Muslims except for the Sikhs who had a, a wholly different approach to religion than the Muslims and different than the Hindus. Uh, I, have, I have a number of people I know that have were Sikhs, are Sikhs, and uh, it was the Sikhs who started their, stopped their advance. But the point is, is that all Muslims are not the same, all Christians are not the same, they all have different ideas and different ideologies, and all Catholics aren't the same. And so I don't even like to label people Muslim, Catholic, Buddhist, Protestant. I don't know what it means because it means so many different things. God is the same. The message of God, the right reason, the the divine will of God is the same. That's that that's kind of what monotheism is. Now, to be fair to all the people who had lots of different gods, many of these gods just represent a characteristic, like the god of Moneta. Uh, Moneta was a government building that was financed usually by the government, although it could be privately financed at times because what it did was mint coin. And they had a god, Moneta, but he just represented the honor that was required if you're going to turn over all your gold to the this temple, and the temple's going to mint a bunch of coins for you. Now they're going to take some of that gold and payment. Of course, that's how they make a living. And they they knew the arts of minting gold, like they did in Ephesus. In Ephesus, we know that they were changing the amount of gold and silver in coin. They were able to do that through a kind of chelation process that involved bone ash. And we've talked about this in other articles. But they were still minting coin for other people, but they also also were paid a lot in gold because they they were an investment brokerage house. Other temples were the same way. And that required a certain amount of trust, a certain amount of honor, a certain amount of virtue to trust the people that were running these temples and providing the services that those temples provided. Just like if you go back to the turtle dove goddess of Sumer. She was in charge of the social welfare of Sumer. She was also in charge of weights and measures. Because she had to rightly divide the bread from house to house. You know, like, does everybody get a pound? Does everybody get a modius of wheat? She has to know. She has to know how many people are going to get some. And then she has to know how to weigh it out so the right amount goes to the right people early church had to do that. We know they had to rightly divide the bread from house to house from the temple in Jerusalem because they were in charge of the social welfare. Well, if you go back to the altars of Jehovanese, they were in charge of the social welfare, especially for the veterans of the battles with the Amalekites or Malachites or anybody else that they came across. So that they were responsible Okay, if you had 600,000 Israelites and amongst those Israelites, you had uh, 50,000 that the families were injured, husbands were injured, the sons were injured and they couldn't take care of their family. Well, some needed a lot of help but some needed a little help. So you had to have a system to do that. And of course, that's religion. That's what religion was. That's what religion was in Rome. That's what religion was in Sumer. That's what religion was for thousands of years. It's how you took care of the need. I mean, the only time they talk about religion in a good sense in in the Bible, using that word religion, they're talking about pure religion, unspotted by the constitutional order and systems of government, but taking care of the widow's and orphans of society, the needy of society. You know, just a few programs back, we talked about a new law that was passed back in March of 2023 in all 50 states of the United States, which will guarantee that the government of the United States in the name of its citizens will rob thousands upon thousands of widows and orphans. Some husband will die you know, maybe he got COVID or, or a COVID injection or, and had an adverse reaction and he dies. And because a lot of the people who die are men. And there are a lot of women that die suddenly in the middle of the night now. We've, we've had countless reports of it in the network, just, just the local network. But those that survive. One lady died, I think she had six children. I might be mixing it with somebody else, but she had quite a few children. Husband had to go away to work, come. He was called back because she just, in the middle of the night, just near morning, she just died, perfectly healthy. And I don't know why she died. Now, she had an injection, but that doesn't say, unless you do an autopsy, you're not going to know why she died. And nobody wanted to do that. Because, well, the reason nobody did that, I'll tell you why. Because the people of this county are not gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The people of this nation are not gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands for the purposes of pure religion. They all go to the government to take care of the needy of their society. The widows, orphans and sick, elderly, even their parents. They take care of their parents by going to men who exercise authority and take away from your neighbor to provide you with a social safety net. Which Ben Shapiro thinks is okay. I think if I sat down and talked with him for a little while, he'd begin to realize, well, maybe it's not okay. And of course now I don't even have to talk to him because we have our... Uh, audios and articles up going all through Exodus. We show you uh, going back in Genesis that religion has always been how you take care of the needy of your society. And of course in Sumer, their religion was based on men who exercised authority. Originally in Rome, it was charity. Eventually in Rome, it was men who exercised authority. Like Augustus Caesar or Julius Caesar who funded their welfare system by taking away from somebody else. I mean, at first, they didn't take away from Romans. They took away from the neighbors of Romans. They coveted their neighbors' gold, their neighbors' so even Trajan, defeated the Decians, just wiped them out, murdered all the men, sold the women off into slavery, most of the children, and took all their gold and silver every treasure they could get and then reform the welfare system of rome reform the elementa which is where you get to go to get food actually the elementa also funded their public education if public education from the government is a benefit and it's provided by men who exercise authority and take away from your neighbor actually if you want public education you you must be coveting your neighbor's house because the property taxes are going to pay for it. It's just unbelievable that we've come this far away from that and uh, people don't even realize it. So we're in a great need of repentance.
3: But anyway, I am want to see if
2: I can take this caller maybe he'll change directions a little bit. Maybe he'll add to the discussion. And I hope nobody has... uh, Let's see. Okay. 5940. I think I know who that is. I see your hands up. You can uh, ask a question.
4: Hi, Brother Gregory. This is uh, Josette. We met a very long time ago at Spoon River. Um, And I have a question about... Uh, acquiring property without titling with the state
3: uh, Okay
4: uh,
2: I'm trying to figure out How old were you when uh, we met?
4: That has to be an awful long time ago It's been 18 years My son was okay. 2 at the time And now okay. he's 20 Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. We time flies when we're having fun.
4: Okay. <laughs> well, it was during Tabernacles. We're the ones that had the camper on the hill.
2: Okay. I don't know if you remember that. Um, well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm going through my Rolodex, <laughs> which is in my mind, the pictures of people that I met, and I'm trying to think of somebody with a two-year-old son. Did you have other children at the time?
4: No, we don't have okay. him. Okay. All
2: right. Well, it was eighteen uh, years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time ago, and I, I'm remembering uh, several. The, there were a lot of people there
4: uh, at that
2: particular yeah. piece. So uh, I'm trying to roll through them, but uh, your your voice sounds a little bit familiar. But I've heard an awful lot of people and met an awful lot of people over the years. So I, I was trying to do you justice by trying to remember you, but maybe it'll come to me. But I'll tell you this. Now, now that is a, that is a chock-full question (laughs) Uh, you know it, it depends on the property and it depends on the person obtaining the property and it depends on a lot of other factors as well
4: now well let me tell you where we are at this point in our lives we've been bartering our way through life for the past 20 years and so we have no credit no tax records so um the way we want to get property is owner finance because they don't usually do credit checks. And right. um, so the, we, we own nothing, like literally, right. except for some cars, and that's titled through the state. So technically we don't own that either, but we have yeah, possession of it. Yeah, that's the legal title. Now, I
2: can tell you <laughs> right away,
4: this is it's a complicated thing, and I'm going to throw out
2: a number of things. And, uh, I mean, there's some good news and there's some bad news. And you know i'm not you know I'm not the definitive person, although I have studied this in great great detail, and a lot of the information that I can share I won't even share on on the radio or on the internet and i I have uncovered and exposed guy after guy and group after group that have lied to people saying that they've got their property. You know, out of the system and off the tax rolls. And people have been making that claim for longer than when I knew you. By that time, I'd already exposed numerous groups for lying. Now, some of them don't even realize they're lying, but eventually they'll find out the hard way. I mean, I can go all the way back to the 60s. One of the first people that uh, it was one of the early Kodak moments in my life. And people who know when I say Kodak moments, it's like a photograph. I can still remember the face of that individual. And if we're going back to the 60s, that's longer ago than when we met with you. But I can remember that person who believed that he had gotten his property out of the system and they were coming to take it away from him because he failed to pay taxes. And the sheriff was arresting him and taking him and... And it, it, the look on his face, and and the, the, the scramble and the confusion and everything that was, I can still see it in my mind as clear as if it was yesterday, although that guy is probably because I was younger than that guy at the time, and uh, so he's probably well into his eighties and nineties if he's even still alive, but this is very fundamental in my journey. I didn't understand everything that was going on, but over the years I began to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And the fact is, is that through a number of things, everybody has hypothecated almost every piece of property in the United States into a equate trust where the only thing that you can purchase from anybody who is now has a deed to that property or a title to that property, the only thing they have that they can sell to you Is a legal title. And I gave just recently, I talked about uh, the Embassy of Heaven Church who had property. Theoretically, it was off the tax rolls. As a matter of fact, not just theoretically. uh, We had documents from the county that stated that it was off the tax rolls for church purposes. Now, I can recite you verbatim the codes in the state of Oregon on this subject. And that property was not on the tax rolls. We could actually still open that case because of papers that I and another individual filed at that particular time on behalf of that church because it was illegally confiscated from the church. Now, they burned the church. What about putting it under a
4: PMA? Uh, Say again? What about putting it under a PMA? Do you know the private Uh, membership association? Right, Uh, and
2: I know some people do that. But again,
4: what are you putting under the PMA? All you're
2: doing, the only thing you can buy from the person probably on the property, and that's why I say it depends on the property, is uh, you're going to buy the legal title. And and what I was going to say is at that church, when they sold their interest in that church, the county did, I was outside... um, I need to shut down something here or it'll keep dinging in our ears. Um, they, the counties were specific to say they're only going to sh- sell their interest in the property. In the actuality, they had no interest in the property and they didn't spell that out. So, but the guy they were selling to, this is very interesting show you what you're up against, because you're up against... Uh, I don't know if I'm on speakerphone, but I'm hearing an echo. Oh,
4: I'll
2: mute. Okay. But anyway, because this is is important, and I'm not going to give you a a, – well, I I will give you quite a bit here before we get to the end of this because I'm sure other people are interested as well. But they were selling their interest in the property. I actually have paperwork from the county uh, and Freedom of Information Act. It was a total fiasco, total incompetence on the part of the county. They did violate and broke the law. And like I, I just said at the Burning Bush Festival that this case could be opened again. We made sure of that because no statute of limitations is on this particular thing. I don't want to do it unless God leads me to do it, but he led me to set it up so that they could do it. And the re, the, the, there were some very interesting things that went on here uh, because it's, it's, it's very difficult to get property out of this trust especially since almost everybody... Now, I know property that's out of the trust right now. Uh, Some through clerical error. Some uh, churches that were abandoned over the years, actually back there near where you're at. Well, I don't know where you're at now, but if you were in Illinois, uh, near there, I know surveyors who have found such property. They're old churches, old cemeteries that were off the tax rolls before 1933 some were off the tax before 1913 and they're still off the tax rolls, although the church is not there anymore and there is no major church that claims that property uh, that the, all the, the only testimony that that was a church ground is socked away in the archives and because there's a cemetery on the property cemeteries are also off the tax rolls. So anybody, anybody could go and claim that property as a church. And there's a whole procedure. I won't go through all the details where you would, you could have that property off the tax rolls. So Uh, is that
4: the same as like um, having a piece of property and possibly discharging the debt?
2: Well, there is no debt on that property because it was already belonged to a church off the tax rolls before 1913.
4: How do you go about looking for property like that? Well, uh, that may be a long subject. Uh, I I have
2: uh, (laughs) guys here. I mean, basically, it's a search. Um, the, The fellow that I don't know where the guy, he used to be a minister. He's passed away now. He had found that property and he wanted to pursue it, but then he ended up passing away before he did. Uh, I know where some property is uh, under, you know, clerical error. They simply don't, nobody has ever surveyed it or marked it in the county that I live in. It's actually a a piece of property that nobody pays taxes on and nobody owns. (laughs) And it's just incompetence. (laughs) in uh, in in their bookkeeping but the reality is is it's not on the
4: tax rolls it's not counted on the tax rolls and so that property is in existence and uh, what about uh, property that we see abandoned around our neighborhoods um is there a way to to Well you
2: have to look at the history of that particular property if it was a legal title you have to wait almost 50 years before you could do anything about it and chances so- are it will still be You know, if it's abandoned, chances are the county is going to be selling it at a tax sale. Again, what they're selling is their interest in the property. What's their interest in the property? The only thing they're going to sell is the legal title. The county who does this usually in most states is the county. Sometimes the state will sign off on the title. Oregon does it a little bit different than other states. And I actually had a guy here from New York. Uh, we we're, we're, were working together to try to help get property back to widows and orphans Because the, the the state was confiscating property That often widows and orphans didn't even know their husband owned And they were avoiding notifying the widow and the orphan That they had a right to the property And so we were researching the archives in the individual states they, They're supposed to be public You're supposed to have access to them Sometimes you have to pay a couple of bucks to get access to them. They're all online in most all the states that I've come across. But uh, they were passing a law, and we saw them do this in state after state, just right down the line that if you research those and made a profit from doing it, what we would do is research it, find it, and then ask for a finder's fee. Most people ask for a finder's fee from 50 to 80% of the of the value of the property we were asking like 10 or 20 percent and it was the choice of the widow because they would lose it all if we didn't take the time to find it it took us hours and hours to find this and then they all of a sudden started passing this law in every state why because they there were people that were actually finding the widows connecting them to the property they were the rightful heirs of the property And the states didn't want to share that money with them. So they passed laws to
4: rob widows and orphans. This is going on. This is 20 years ago they were doing this. That's like Isaiah, the hidden treasures of the wicked. I think it's Isaiah. The hidden treasures of the wicked is really our treasure. They've been doing this
2: for a long time. But everybody's been going to church singing. And so they all think they're saved. Like I said, just this year in March, they passed the law that people who put this their property in an irrevocable trust uh, now the PMA is, is going down the right alley to some degree although I have to look at the you have to look at how the PMA is written <laughs> and then who's is is it like a trust is it an association and who's in the association we have to know all these things. Because the can't What about property. the
4: irrevocable trust? No, that's the and law they changed. The irrevocable now? trust is
2: not not going to protect estates anymore, as of March of 2023. Now exactly. Now there, I think there's even a workaround there, but my job as a minister of the church established by Jesus Christ. See, the thing is, what I'm saying. There's a lot of people out there who think they're out of the system because they're not using the numbers. And and I don't tell people they can't do that. I tell you in the Bible, and you're reading the Bible, what what you're talking about, the people who do that, who simply, because I head of the IRS actually said you could do that years ago. Now it's a little bit different now. Lots of things are changing all the time. Every year something changes. But not too many years ago, and you've been doing this for a long time, so you may be in in that area. So I'm not judging anybody in particular, but i tell you what's going on here. They said that if you don't like it, don't use the number. You don't use the number, you're not in the system. <laughs> you can just stop doing that. But eventually, they, they have a plan for all the people who stop using the
4: number, too. But in the Bible... My son doesn't people, have one, and he's doing good. Right. Yeah, and and He's running somebody else's business.
2: Right. And there's there's a million scenarios where people are doing this. I mean, I haven't used a number in years and years and years, but I did it a particular way. I notified them, gave it back, said I have it by mistake. They know me. Uh, they probably literally know me by a first-name basis. Uh, I mean, I could tell you stories until the cows come home. They know me. But what's going on Back to the, the people who are just simply leave this system, don't use the number, and say, and feel like they're out. And, and, and that's their individual walk of faith. I, I don't pass any judgment on that. But I will say this. is In the Bible, those people were codified as the ravens. The ravens who are outside, you know, they're not a citizen of Sumer. They're not a citizen of Babylon. But they're out there. Make it ends meet. Maybe they have skills that people want to hire them, uh, or use them, or they, you know, do all kinds of things. But uh, they have their place in biblical history. But there's also, see, what I was saying this morning on the show. God has a plan. Moses ha- showed us. Uh, Jesus Christ showed us. Uh, but the modern church and the modern Jew don't get it, generally speaking. And what it is is that. We have to care about others as much as we care about ourselves. So we have this thing called the kingdom of God, which was around in the days of Abraham, certainly around in the days of Moses, certainly around in the days of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to take the kingdom away from these guys, and I'm going to give it to another group that will bear fruit. Now, that group is the church, but then... Who's the church today? Because there are all kinds of people claiming to be the church today, and they've actually delivered the people back into the bondage of Egypt. They've told them that covetous practices by going to men who exercise authority to get benefits and take care of your family is a good thing, but we know that Jesus said it makes the word of God to none effect.
4: Well, I'm trying to um, do this so I could show others how to do it as well. Right. And I've already done it with my son. Um, so it, I mean, but getting property outside of the the state, uh, getting their grubby little hands on it, need to be able to show other people how to do that, but I got to do it first. Right. And there can I, do you have an email that I could email you? Maybe you could send me to links
2: where I could research. Well, that, there's all kinds of stuff you can research. All of the stuff that we publish is all online for free at hisholychurch.org, and there's contact pages there. They're at preparingyou.com. But private tutorship, it depends on whether or not you're doing what Christ commanded, which is he commanded his disciples to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And to me, that's the evidence that somebody actually cares about other people as much as they care about themselves. That will become absolutely critical in the days ahead because you have to know what's coming. You know, like the guy who jumped off the 50-story building when he went by the 30th floor, they heard him saying, okay, so far. But things are going to <laughs> change. Cool. And uh, the sidewalk is still as hard as it ever was. And the reality is is that, uh, you know, I've said this from the beginning, way back when I first wrote Covenants of the Gods. When people ask me, does this work? Because they want to know, you know, I'm explaining how the law works and that. And I took this to top lawyers in the United States. I took it to my own father who wrote law books. And my father said, you're right, but they're not going to like you because I'm revealing to people how the system works. Now, a lot
4: of people don't want to know how the system works.
2: And like what I said. What about doing I'm, it
4: through equity, equitable means?
2: Well, we it all that for easy
4: about 50 years ago, out. but it
2: may not be so easy today. But oh. what, what's happened is the property has, you know, I mean, equity is law in the United States. It goes back to the Ju- Judiciary Act of 1789. We have articles up that explain what that was. And in there, where there isn't a remedy at common law, then equity will take over. And of course, what you're dealing with today, when you have a legal title, anybody who says, I have a legal title to this property has just announced that somebody else has the equitable title. So you're in equity. A legal title is already in equity. So now there are four ways, and we've gone over this in the book, four ways to get property out. That was Covenants of the Gods, which is free online. But it's, It's not going to give you a step-by-step plan on how to get property out just for yourself. Now, the goal of the church, the goal of Christ, the goal of Moses, was to return every man to his family and every man to his possession. We're in much worse bondage than they were in Egypt. I just finished our whole series on Exodus. Although I'm going to probably start doing videos on it to to point some of the specific things out that people don't get, but the reality is well, our pastor is exactly has what
4: Moses a our pastor well, we built his ministry right on his property, but he doesn't know how to do any of that and he's clueless about. I'm I've been educating myself about it, and it would now, be nice to target, get huh? his property.
2: Who Say this again. Are you talking about? Who are you talking about? Uh, our pastor, the, oh. where
4: we attend. We're in Tennessee. Okay. Where we attend, he actually built his his congregation on his own property. Um, right. So we, we attend up there. But um, for him to get his that property for the church, um, I'm trying to figure out how we can do that as well.
2: Well, actually, the the minister, a former minister with us who's passed away now, uh, he uh, he was a surveyor in Tennessee, and he told me several properties he had already found. I don't know where they are because he passed away with that knowledge, and he didn't make a good record of it uh, That that he shared with us anyway. I don't know if there was a record somewhere with it, but he found several properties in Tennessee that belonged to churches that were now abandoned. Nobody they weren't see like if, if it was a Catholic church or a Methodist church or I, I actually I know one that Episcopalian church and they they were off the tax rules way back in nineteen ten.
4: Do you and have to go to the county off. records to search that?
2: Uh, say that question again.
4: Do you have to go to the county records to search that, Uh, to search it? Well, this guy was always going
2: into the county records because he was a surveyor. So, you know, he's always dealing with property that is adjacent to the property that somebody has hired him to survey. And in that process, he got more and more familiar with those records. All those records should be online so that anybody – they're supposed to be public records. Anybody can – you know, my son – he can pull it up on his phone, uh, the county records, who owns what property and and how long they've owned it and who owned it before. That's all online. Uh, so there's ways to do that. But the oh. point is is that he was in Tennessee, and I know of at least that he told me of at least two churches that were completely abandoned. And so basically what you would do is, and they had cemeteries, of course, and that's the and we've talked about this before. The cemeteries are perpetually, they never have to file again to get a tax exemption. They're mandatorily exempted. So, which is partly why Christians were meeting in catacombs, because that was the law in wrong as well. And so, and that's why there are religious groups who are of a foreign uh, nation that has no country but live in Malaysia, but they have their own government in Malaysia, and they help one another, and they take care of one another, and they try to avoid the benefits. This was 20 years ago, but they met on a regular basis four times a year in cemeteries because they're meeting on ground that doesn't belong to the state. The cemeteries don't belong to the state. Now, so this is this goes back to ancient ancient times, and so understanding these laws haven't changed in thousands of years. You know we write them in English now instead of Latin. Uh, you know, like you know the article I just put up on Suetonius. I put up the actual Latin telling about this. I put up the Latin laws that the Romans were passing because Rome was facing population collapse. And they were bringing immigrants in and losing all their principles uh, that had made Rome a great nation at one time. But, of course, they went from a republic to an indirect democracy to an imperial uh, power and then despotism. And that's what America has been doing. We've gone from the republic. And so, of course, they want to get, so you own nothing. Well, if you have a legal title, you don't own the property. We explained this in Covenants of the Gods. So, what you're saying is you want to own the property. What I'm saying is that everybody's going to be free in the not-too-distant future, but most people are not going to survive freedom. And we see it on the horizon that the, the powers that be are manipulating everything, including the minds of most of the people, and and we're facing one of the great die-offs of all times. You know, it's already started, and, and they're they're actually trying to cover up the fact. You know, the the excess deaths they call it are taking place, and and they haven't even got started. It's going to get a lot worse, but. The fact is, is that what I know, I know because God has revealed it to me because I was willing to go where he said to go and do what he said to do, not for myself, but for for God's sake and for other people. And if I stopped doing that, I would die because, uh, you know, like I said many times, I, according to everybody, I was supposed to be dead by the time I was twenty. Well, I'm a little older than that now, and I'm still, you know, running out the change lines on the desert. <laughs> so, but uh, I mean, physically, actually running. So the reality is, is that m- most of the time you cannot get property out of the system. You can get it, you know, like, even most of the time you can't get people out of the system. They will let some people go, uh, especially if you started a long time ago. But if they go to food rationing, things are going to get harder. they go to gas rationing, things are going to get harder. And and I'm not doing this to scare anybody, because maybe you're on the path that God wants you to go. But eventually, that path has to be a part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is an actual organization from the grassroots up where the people organize themselves from the tens, hundreds, and thousands for the purposes of Christ. And the purpose of Christ was to return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. And so it's not just ourselves. It's, it's not just uh, the people we know or like. I mean, you've said that already, that you want to be able to do, show other people how to do it. Well, Christ showed us how to do this. And the way to do it, is to come together and start caring about others as much as we care about ourselves. So Moses said, love thy neighbor as thyself. The same word for love. Well, we have that. We, we already well, have that. Well, a lot of people say that. And, and that may be true in your case. But I can show you, and you could, you could show me, I'm sure, lots of people who sit in their pews going to their church saying they pray to God and that they love their neighbor, but they're still taking the benefits At the expense of their neighbor. And when they come for their neighbor, just like they came for that guy I saw way back in the 1960s, nobody came to his aid. But Israel did learn to come to the aid of the other Israelites when they were in the bondage of Egypt. This is why when we just went through Exodus, we showed you, why did God harden the heart of the Pharaoh after he just sent Moses there to get the people out? Well, it's because the people had something to learn. And they had to learn to come together and to be a people. And that's what they were doing. They were organizing way back in Egypt in order to, to for those that were still in the system and paying their tally of bricks, they were no longer getting the benefits. And we see that. I talked about in the show this morning. Benefits are being cut back already. Uh, Medicare Medicaid they're all cutting back ten percent twenty percent thirty percent less than they used to do they just
4: we don't closed. get any we we well, wouldn't get I don't
2: any get either and and you know i've i'm I'm over three quarters of a century old and I haven't taken any benefits so but still things are changing that could become harder and harder and they're about ready to poison most of the meat supply in the United States they've already said it they've they got mRNA vaccinations they're going to force out there uh, on ranchers all across the country. Uh, they're already putting GMOs in the feed of chickens, and it's altering their fertility. They're, it's also doing this in dairy cows. We know this is going on all the time. They just got 80% of Americans to go and get at least one vaccination of an mRNA, which uh, now... Everybody didn't get the same shot, even the ones that were coming out of uh, places like Pfizer weren't all the same. You have to look at the lot numbers, but people have uncovered, who who see patterns, have uncovered that certain lot numbers had a huge uh, adverse reaction. Other lot numbers, you'd only have like five adverse reactions reported on those lot numbers out of, you know, Lots and lots of shots, only like five adverse reactions and not very severe. It's basically a placebo. But other lot numbers, thousands and thousands. I mean, I mean, I, I shudder to think how many. I mean, Bears reports over 30,000 deaths uh, within the first 30 days after getting the vaccination, some within the first 72 hours. And the only problem with VAERS is it probably underreports. According to Harvard, they underreport by only about 1% of the actual cases. Well, if that's true and they have 30,000 recorded deaths, then you multiply 30,000 times 100 and that's how many deaths you have within 30 days of getting the vaccination. And according to uh luke montagnier and other biologists that most of those deaths will occur two to three years after the injection and they're still giving the shots out and people are still lining up to get them but this is only phase one there's many more phases i i saw this coming before it got here other people did too but people and you know, we published day one we were publishing showing people what was going on at preparing you Look up numerous scientists, we just go down there you can there's actually a record at preparing. You can see when we were breaking stories before anybody else did but yeah there the again, to get property out, the tax roll depends on the property depends on who's getting it, but the reality is is that the government has already declared bankruptcy in seventy seven and uh changed laws accordingly it's already, the, the titles of these property are international and there's a fiduciary trust. They can't let you go. It used to be uh, there were four things that could break this trust or, or remove property from the trust. One is you could waive a right to a pre existing value that they owed you. Well, you could do that before Federal Reserve notes became total fiat money. You know, you can go back to the 60s. They weren't total fiat money. And you can waive your... And, and we show that they did this by treaties with places like Panama. That they waived their right to redeem U.S. Federal Reserve notes in actual gold, $20 per ounce of gold, $20.76 per ounce of gold. They could do that. And Panama had huge volumes of U.S. notes. But they waived their right to redeem them in gold and silver for the Panama Canal. That's what they were doing. That's what Kissin, That's why he flew down there and signed this treaty. I mean, how many of you guys read the treaty? How many of you could even tell what you were reading when you were reading it? We, I read it. I read when they passed... Uh, I read when they passed the statutes that became... Title 42, Section 666. I knew the statutes when they were being proposed because God led me to read those statutes. Matter of fact, that year I read almost every statute that was proposed. And I saw the patterns in the numbers, 511, 512, 513 of the uh, Insurance Portability Act. You see, that just sticks in my head still because God put it in there. It's a Kodak moment. He said, this is important. They haven't even codified it yet, but they codified it in Title 42, Section 666, that everybody has to have a Social Security number to get any license, to buy any property, to, and, of course, it will eventually be, you know.
4: Not in Tennessee. My son has a license and a passport without a social.
2: Yeah, but they broke the law to do it. The law is on the books in Tennessee because it's federal law. Title 42, Section 666. You can look it up right there in huh. the code now uh yeah there are people that are getting by i can tell you people in mississippi that are getting by people in oregon people in washington that are getting by especially with all the influx of aliens because they're because they created a rule where they could do that but it's still in violation of federal code
4: how are you getting a bank and, account and, without a social
2: well yeah absolutely you uh, any bank can open up uh, an account without a social security number and without a state ID. It's in the loss. We we just read them. Somebody brought them and, and trying to bring them to my attention at uh, the Burning Bush Festival. I already read them. I already got them in my notes. I got them in uh, in references because of this. But the reality is, is that we can also see that there's a spirit that's growing in industry and banking and everything else. They will. Because they can shut you out. The bank can open it, but the bank can just decide that what they're doing. is They're empowering businesses to say, they're not making you wear a mask. They're scaring the businesses, and the businesses are making you wear the mask. They're not requiring that you have to have a social security number and an ID to fly. They're scaring the airlines, and the airlines are deciding, well, we don't want to let you fly unless we have these things. And they're they're giving the people the power to destroy their neighbors, destroy their neighbors' business, and the people are doing it, and the people are doing it because they spent the last 100 years coveting their neighbors' goods through the power of government to get their public schools, to have their parents taken care of by the corbin of FDR, which is social security. That's that was that's what. Social Security Act was doing it was Creating the same system of Corbin That Herod created With the Pharisees This is why the blind man Who was professing Christ And they said anybody who professes Christ Is going to be kicked out of the social welfare system Run through the temple And so they went to the blind man's Parents and said your son is Saying that he believes that Jesus Is the Christ which means The anointed the Messiah the And they They knew they would get kicked out and they depended on the temple for their social welfare, their social safety net. And so they said, our son is old enough to speak for himself. They wouldn't say. And they stayed in the system and the system collapsed. They probably died either by or at the fall of Jerusalem. But the Christians walked out the front gate with nothing. But they had some place to go because they had done what Jesus Christ said was to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to care about your neighbors as much as you care about yourselves. And to create a network, a pure religion that provided a daily ministration to take care of the needy of society. Not just those that are nearby or some old lady you see that has a flat tire on the side of the road, but a nation of people. And we can do that now. And, and then we can fill in the gaps. But I can't. I'm not going to fill in all the little gaps. I mean, it would take up the whole program to go through this. And the reality is, is where this gets you, and this is why I mentioned the Covenants of God's when I wrote this and I was taking it around and telling people about taking their responsibilities back and what the kingdom was all about. They said, does this work? And I was shocked by the question work to do what? I'm telling you how it works. I tell you how the system works. I tell you how you go into bondage. And and the reverse of that is how you come out of bondage. And you went into bondage because you didn't listen or to the cries of your brothers. You didn't care about others as much as you care about yourself. Everybody can say that. But not everybody really does that. You know. And actually when I was coming back from uh, uh, Spoon River at one point I went there numerous times. I was coming back and catching an airline uh, with my church ID. And uh, uh, God told me to go over and talk to a guy who was sitting there I was in, in the airport in the middle of the night. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. There was a guy over there obviously with his wife and two children at least. And I was bone tired. I hadn't slept in days. Uh, traveling and all that. And so I knew in my heart that God wanted me to go over and start up a conversation with that guy and I argued against it and I didn't go and, and I, I mentioned that here I've mentioned it before because that's absolutely how it works and then if we don't do what God not what we want but what God wants the will of God then we will pay the price and I, I confess that so that I don't do that again. Because I didn't go over and sit down. I, I didn't know what to say. And, I'm, you know, like we all do. We make excuses. Well, I, you know, but I want to do this. I want to get my land out. Or I want to uh, go do this. Or I want to go do that. And the fact is, is what God wants us to do is lay down our lives for our fellow man. And he wants to show us how to do that. And that's following that Holy Spirit is what showed all this to me. I didn't figure it out. God, God, I sat, knelt down out here in the desert and said, there's something I don't see. God, you're going to have to show me. The next day, law book showed up on my doorstep. Three months later, I was writing the Covenant of the Gods, had numerous chapters already done. And, and then every book I've got since then, God sent it to me. Uh, you know, and he told me, "Look here," and he shows me the statues, 511, 512, five, eleven, five, twelve, five, thirteen of this obscure, tone size uh, law, the Insurance Portability Act of. Uh, I might get that the date wrong. Is it 1998 or 96? I can't remember now. But uh, I remember the five, eleven, five, twelve, five, thirteen because those numbers play in somewhere else. But God is showing me these things. I, and I want them to show you, but I know that I am required to require of the people that they sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and actually start that daily ministration. You know, they just talked this morning on the radio broadcast during the commercial. It's on, you know, uh, First Amendment radio, and they were talking about, there's a book that the uh, owner of the station is promoting, and he's talking about the, and I don't know exactly where he stands, so I'm not saying he's saying this, but I'm saying that he mentions that a lot of people say that you have to have the, you know, the temple in Jerusalem, a stone temple in Jerusalem, built, and then you have to start the daily sacrifice, and all this has to happen before uh, the next coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, or whatever, or, or you know, the years of tribulation, etc. Well. The fact is, is the sacrifice of the temple of God has nothing to do with stone buildings. It has nothing to do with killing sheep and burning them up. Never did. We're the stones of the altar. We're the stones of the temple of God. We are the temple of God. We have to sit down and start sacrificing for one another in order to bring the Holy Spirit in our midst. I mean, we, can't, we, don't, we can't make the Holy Spirit come in our midst. But then the Holy Spirit will show you. And he will show you... I mean, literally, the Holy Spirit will... You won't even have to... You will be drawn to the land. You could be driving down the road. And God say, take a look at that land over there in that woods. And you go over there and walk and you find a cemetery in the woods all overgrown with trees. You just barely see the remnant of headstones. Well, if that's a cemetery... There probably was a church there once and now you found it. But you need the Holy Spirit to lead you to it. We're not going to find our way back to the kingdom through eating by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to find it because we're led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led me to find all this information and I give it all away for free. But unless you're going to do that? How are you going to know what to do? Is this the land you should get, or is that the land? You know, maybe there's a piece down the road that you should get. But you, you, you know, what what's drawing you? Well, what draw draws people together to sacrifice for one another? I mean, because in the days to come, if you look at the story, we like I said, we just went through Exodus. Can you imagine? the sacrifice that those people had to undergo. Picking up everything. Old people, young people, sick people, and traveling out of Egypt, down that wadi, across the Red Sea, into an absolute desert wilderness. There was no room for selfish people. And and a lot of people don't want to think of themselves as selfish, but the people who, you know, were seduced by Dathan and some of these other guys, Uh, they thought they cared about one another, but they couldn't see Moses' real plan. And and most Christians today and most Jews today don't see what Moses was really doing, which is why they have these ridiculous ideas of building a temple in, in the place over there called Israel. Israel is where God prevails. it's wherever men walk with the faith of Abraham that's what the New Testament is said that's that's where Israel is and that temple is not made with hands. you're not going to find a building somewhere and but the goal is, To return every man to his property And every man to his family I I just told a minister who's still here After the Burning Bush Festival He'll be here for a little while Until until the snow You know we have some uh, Sites where people can camp And he's got an RV That they're in But uh, I said I wanted to have a Discussion with him About a dream that I had at this early 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 in my mission And uh Because I'm not going to be here forever. So it's very important that people know where we're going. And by the time those people who want to come out of the system, the the goal is not to come out of the system. The goal is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a system. It's a voluntary system that operates on faith, hope, and charity, which opens up the heart to the Holy Spirit. That's the system that we should be seeking. If we seek that system, all these other questions will be answered. And not only you, but everybody will have property. Because their goal right now is the annihilation of humanity. And, and you know, what is the first commandment of God? Dress it and keep it. We're talking about the whole planet. We're not talking about my little corner of it. They want the whole planet they want to take it away from mankind and they want mankind they can't kill mankind but they can arrange to have mankind kill themselves that's what you see going on with everything from covid to the bank crisis that's coming the money crisis the food crisis that is all all the all the trail is there all the tracks are there you can see them doing this you know, most people say, Oh, that's a conspiracy but I can show you that it's actually taking place. But I, I'm I'm not preaching a gospel of fear, I'm preaching the gospel of hope. And the hope is is that everybody sits down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to form congregations of record and connect with a minister, not not just email, not just listen to somebody on the radio. You know, like I as people to think that they're in the network because they're on an email group well when you're out of food i'll send you pictures of food in your email and you can look at it <laughs> the idea is to actually create a viable network network not dependent on the internet not dependent upon their systems of communication with their own systems and we have people in the network now that could do that and more coming but uh, people want to know, where's everybody at? Well, they can join the, the email groups and find the people in your area, whether it's Tennessee or wherever. And right now, a lot of the people that are on the network are afraid to reveal themselves to other people because we have no, there's no uh, filter. Anybody can join the email network. So they, they need to see people actually doing what Christ said, and then they'll come. And then, like I've told the ministers, then we'll have a second problem because things are going to be getting worse and worse. And uh, as they get worse, more people will be looking for an alternative, but their heart is really not in the right place. They're still looking to save themselves. Everybody wants to think they'll save everybody else, but they're still looking to save themselves. They, They have to love people... And their families, they don't even know as much as they love their own. That's hard to do. It's easy to say, but that's hard to do. And, of course, we see the first century church doing that. People in Jerusalem taking up a collection, and sending to people in Syria. They don't even know. People in Galatia taking up a collection and sending it to people in Corinth or in Ephesus. Ephesus was a wealthy place. Galatia was a poor place. But that's what they were doing. That was what Ecclesiastes, which is why we went through that study already. It says, cast thy bread upon the waters and hopes that it will come back to you after many days. That's the kingdom. Those are principles of the kingdom. And that's what we're supposed to be seeking is the kingdom of God. And if we did that, the property will come. I may be gone, time everybody gets their chunk of the property that's okay you know which takes me back to that vision which i won't talk about on this show <laughs> vague references to it so yeah there's lots of different things but uh, basically you you mentioned a, a a pma which is uh uh i was trying to think of what it stands for i'm terrible at acronyms uh but it, it it's an association right are you still there? you on mute
1: Yeah, are you still there? Yeah. yeah, my wife had to step out, uh, Gregory. Okay,
0: that's um,
1: fine. I just got one quick question. Uh, you were no, talking I about, met you uh, too, right? Yes, you did, sir. Oh, uh, I did? Uh, uh, were
2: you there yeah. in the work crew that one time where we yep. had a work coach?
1: Yep, we cleared that lot with uh, right. the chipper and, uh, and all that stuff, yep.
2: Hi, yeah, we had yeah, a travel yes, trailer. and. coming uh, back to me. I can't remember. Okay. I guess that your baby was a little boy.
1: Yeah, he guess, was just um, like two we feel yeah, real bad uh, to the uh the the lady that was there, I forget her name now, but she had a heart attack or something. And yeah. uh she was so sweet and um yeah
2: whatever that's happened Timothy's, to to her Timothy's husband. Wife. Yeah. Yeah. We saw people that's right. watching them and watching over them, but uh uh and the kids are all grown now. But yeah, Yeah, that was the day that Timothy dropped a tree on my head.
1: (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Yep. You remember that?
0: Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. I told. Yeah. 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 We were standing. I remember we were we were we're we're all standing around. Go ahead. Okay. Good.
2: I was was talking over you a little bit, but go ahead now. Uh, The PMA. I was just going to ask
1: you. Yeah, I was going to ask you real quick because I looked up. Uh, uh, for the Section 42 or Title 42, Section 666, right. it actually has something to do with child support. Yes. Are you sure you got the say? Yeah? yeah.
2: Yeah, but yeah, you got to read the, uh, there's several provisions as you go down there. And of course they say oh,
0: okay.
2: it's for the purposes of child support, but if you look at the actual bill, because see, that's the codification, what you're reading. The actual bill, it says, for the purposes of child support and, and for other purposes. <laughs> oh. They, they always, like, wherever you see that, that's a heads-up deal, yeah. Because okay. it's the Insurance Portability Act that originally, and see, what they pass these big, huge bills, they give them the different clauses in these bills. I mean, these things are phone book size. I mean, big New York phone book size. And but they'll have numbers in them, and those numbers are codes. To because it's not it's not law until they codify that statute and then publish it in the codes, and then it becomes this positive law thing. But yeah, uh, but it, it, it that's where it started. And, you know, to get the deadbeat dads. But uh, I can take you back to uh, the statutes that they were passing in Greece under uh, Karanos, uh, you know, where uh, this is how they enslaved the people of Sparta, is that they went after the deadbeat dads. And anybody could beat up a dad who, you know, a wife could divorce her husband for almost any reason. He still had to support her and the children. And if he was caught not doing it, this is this is in the original rules that they set up by the guy, Lysurgis. If you read the rules of Lysurgis, any citizen could beat that guy up <laughs> if he was caught not supporting the wife who had run off with another guy. These are laws that have been around for a long time. Of course, that's, that's the way it works now. Anybody who's gone through a divorce, uh, you know, one of these violent divorces, they're just using the courts to beat up the men take their children away and of course the children that they will produce without a husband uh, uh, and a father in the home more likely to go to jail, more likely to have emotional issues, more likely to have depression Um, and that all changes if you give custody of the child to the husband and see at common law that's the way it used to be but in equity, your wife mentioned equity. In equity, this is one of the first things that I was reading. Clark Summary of US American Law, the great domestic relations. It started talking about marriage, rights of the husband, rights of the wife. They're all in equity. Marriage license is in equity. And in equity, the woman gets custody. At common law, the man gets custody. That kind of tells you where you're at. But there's a reason why. And now people like Jordan Peterson and other uh, people who study this are saying, you know, if you take the man out of the house, there are going to be all kinds of problems with those kids. Not a guarantee, because some people will rise above it anyway. But statistically speaking, you're destroying the family. And I can take you, take you to like the black community. The families in the black community were stronger in 1900 than the white community families. Why? Because in order for blacks to make it from, you know, the end of slavery on, family was key. So it was less, generally speaking, it was less than 1% of the black children were raised in a single-parent family. Less than 1%. Today, it's over 75%. And that's absolutely destroyed the family. And we take you all the way back to before Christ where philosophers were saying that that would destroy the family. We can take you back to early America. Alexis Tocqueville saying that that would destroy the family. We knew it, but you didn't learn that in public school. and So nobody knew it. But it's, it's all there. It's written down. Just like these codes. They're all saying that you have to Get a social security number to get any kind. And they have a long list there. If you read all the way down, there should be a long list there. Sometimes you have to go to the footnotes of almost any type of license whatsoever. And and you can't get it without that social security number. But, you know, since when have they obeyed their own laws? The law is on the books. But uh, of course, we have to get to the point where, when we come in there, we're saying we don't need—we're <laughs> not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> i have I, I i tell lots of stories. I don't know. Have you guys listened to me regularly or something? It's a long time since we met. I've been, I've been
4: reading your—I've been reading your website like crazy. I've been all over that website. Um, okay, for which one are you now. talking about?
2: Preparing you or to
4: His Holy Church?
2: Okay, are you on hisholychurch.org? yeah okay yeah now i haven't added to that site hardly in years and years i actually just saw a typo that i've been copying and pasting
4: for two years
2: because i wrote it one time probably at two o'clock in the morning and uh and then i copy and paste it in and uh, i think it's just a simple little word that i i hit a key wrong you can't read any of the keys on my keyboard they're all wore (laughs) away (laughs) <laughs> Not that I have to look, but sometimes I get off off center and type in the wrong key. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but it's actually really great. I I uh, I'm actually starting to remember you. I talked to your husband a little bit, and uh, yeah, I, I I think I know who you guys are. I I kind of remember you holding a baby. I have a picture of that, but. Uh, Did you have a little trailer you were in at that time?
4: Yeah, we had a camper and we parked at the top of the hill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of people there. Yeah, I I don't think I ever visited
2: at your camper or anything like that that I can remember. I just stood outside it. But but anyway, yeah, I do have some recollection. I wish I could remember you more. You shouldn't make yourself so scarce. Yeah, well, I appreciate you have, taking my call. Yeah, I've had people watching the site or listening to the program for ten years before they ever contacted me, but we've already been in touch. So anyway,
4: yeah, I, I appreciate well, your. I didn't realize you had a podcast. Well, I guess this is kind of a podcast thing going. I didn't realize it until like a few weeks ago that you had a podcast. Oh yeah, I think we have over
2: a thousand podcasts out there on Spotify. I was zooming okay. down. And somebody else sets it up. I I didn't set it up zooming down i went all the way back to 1993 and so with what three hours a week going all the way back to 1993 and it goes back farther than that uh that's a lot of podcasts and they have them all there uh and I, we also have keys to the kingdom dot info and that has all keys to the kingdom all, all, dot info somebody else manages that site but they have a lot of our past shows when we had terrible recordings and when we had good recordings and everything. But yeah, there's a lot of shows there.
4: Where are you putting your updated work?
2: Most of the updated work is at preparing com. Oh, okay. And, uh, I, I'm not the only one ministers of the church can post there. So we have people that are big into the raw milk issue and, and, and homeschooling. And although I've done some posting on some of those things, but, they can post those things, but uh, I'm Wiki One. So if Wiki One is writing it, that's me. But uh, it's a wiki site. It, it's on our own server, and uh, we have. It's not Wikipedia. It's just that we can have multiple people editing it all the time, and uh, but we're about to take one of our young men. Is second generation without any numbers. And he's in the religious order, which is like a PMA, but under the protection of Christ. (laughs) So There's a little hint for you, because when you mention PMA, uh, that's what a religious order is. But it's under a little bit different category. And the critical thing is we just had people here at the Burning Bush Festival from Romania. And uh, they're going to be, hopefully, they're going to be translating some of the things into Romanian and they have people in Romania already listening. Uh, but I don't speak Romanian. <laughs> so, uh, but the idea, you know, we have some people who have translated. If anybody knows a, another language, they want to translate these things, we, and they get in a the congregation, they will get access, and they can start putting them up. But uh, uh, And there's a large number of people in Romania who've never had a number. You know, like you go to in some of these other countries, some of the poorest countries, you know, like Santo Domingo, 20 to 30 percent of the people have never had a number. The number in in Santo Domingo is your Sesshola. When they go, they're hired by people, and they all know this. When they're hired by a business, nothing's taken out of their wages because they don't have a Sesshola. They don't have a social security number. They're outside of the system. And, and so there's there's people all over the world like that. And they're going to want to kill them first. Uh, so you're going to need the power of God between you. This is what I said, and I never really got to finish it this time. What this does, if you actually seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, from the five books that we have online for free, and uh, thousands of or hundreds of articles, thousands of recordings, This will put you down on the shores of the Red Sea And I said this Whatever that was How many years ago would that be? 45 years ago And it puts you down on the shores of the Red Sea With all the armies of the Pharaoh Coming down on you with everything they got And nothing between you and them But the power of God That's where we're going So the people who think They're going to get out of something Well you will If you're sincere And you know, sincerity is an ongoing thing. The Sincerity, you know, you know, when you get married, you love your husband, and your husband loves his wife and everything. But over the lifetime, there are challenges in that. And, and the, the metal of the man is tested, and the heart of the woman is tested. God made it that way. It's supposed to be that way. But it's the same way in the kingdom. People come together in congregations. Those congregations will be tested. Our faith will be tested. That—that uh, That is basically what the wrath of God is all about. You know, it's a test. <laughs> I have an article on the wrath of God, and I, I show the people what the actual Greek words there. It has to do with the test. And there's a big test coming. But uh, hope to see you there. I'll let you go. So I'm gonna shut off your mic. I don't know how to get your hand down. You might push a one or something like that and it'll come down. But uh if somebody okay. else I can't even see all the people Thank in you. the call queue now, so I gotta go down and look and see if anybody else has their hands. <laughs> but it's really nice hearing from you. And stay in touch, join the network and uh start a congregation there and uh and we'll we'll take it to the next level. Hopefully before the Bad guys, take it to the next level. <laughs> okay, God Thank bless. Thank
4: you for taking my call. Absolutely.
2: Bye. Bye. So my uh, my switchboard, oh, there it goes. Oh, the hand came down too. Uh, so anyway, uh, actually, I think our number disappeared, so I'll have to call in again. To, you can listen online, uh, but if you want, and, and I think there's still a way that... Uh, I can talk to people who are online in the chat room, and that's one of the things I haven't done is open up the chat room. We'll see if anybody's in the chat room uh opening it up it's connecting uh, looks like just me in the chat room <laughs> okay <laughs> so if anybody does anybody listening want to go into the chat room and ask a question, I will try to address that this idea of getting property out they have an obligation not to let it go. And I was saying that the four ways to get it out used to be you could waive a right to a portion of the, uh, to something they owed you. And of course, being the, Noriega, being the president, and Noriega knew how this works. Being, and he was getting counseled by the Catholic Church. I mean, when he escaped, he was hiding in the Catholic Church. Now, most of the people in the Catholic Church have no idea. But there are people up up uh, that know how this works. But, and, and you might even find of them, some of them that are not far from the kingdom, but a lot of them are on the other side today. And there's a great division developing. Of course, it has been since Vatican, but of course, the Roman church is exactly that, the Roman church. And it was originally, I mean, they say in their documentation that it was started by Constantine. They actually have court cases in the United States that that was their defense, is they go all the way back to Constantine. Well, his holy church goes all the way back to Christ. (laughs) We we don't go back back to Constantine. We go back to Christ. But, you know, I don't want to – I'm not trying to speak ill of anybody because whoever the Holy Spirit enters into, that is going to be the faithful. And they can enter into a Catholic, a Protestant, a Buddhist, uh, uh, a Muslim, because that's where they're coming from. I'm not interested in where you're coming from. I'm interested in where you're going to. And going to is finding that narrow way and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, yeah, I see people showing up in the chat room. So anybody can go in the chat room and ask a question if they want. i got to pan down here and see who's in the queue make sure no other hands have gone up because we got a lot of people in the queue but anyway so uh we still got a lot of hours left an hour and a half left uh i got in here uh actually when i i logged in and i was already logged in but then i had to make the phone contact connection uh they said i had five seconds before we go on to the
0: air so,
2: Cutting it close again. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. It just cuts her close every time. Um, so anyway, this morning, like I said, we talked about Second uh, Corinthians 4, and we'll put in, we have a recording up there already, but I added a huge amount to that. But it, one of the things that I was pointing out, and, and Paul took the time to point out, is that we as Christians need to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty and, and of course that guy went and looked up title 42 section 666 more power to him and he says oh it, it, it's it's just for you know the child custody and uh, uh, you know uh, has to do with child support payments and that's what their excuse was they needed to have that social security for all licenses because they can't do it for identification purposes because they already have that on the books, and and the stories I told when going to the DMV and talk to them, they they admit the high ups have admitted to me. They they also said they won't give it to me in writing. They don't want your you don't need a social security number to get a driver's license. Uh, all you need is well, this is what they were telling me in the state of Oregon, is they needed to know that one of the things. This is what they were willing to tell me that you needed to have a letter from the social security office that you had a number for benefit purposes, because what they did is they made a driver's license a benefit. And so to get that driver's license from them, you, you, you need to uh, claim you want the benefit. So you have to look at the paperwork that they give you. And uh, the reality is, is that, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you all the, all of it, because we're on the air. And it's given to some people to know, but it's not given to other people to know. I I, I would have discussed it with you if you were at the Burning Bush Festival or the uh, gathering at White Rock, but uh, I'm not going to discuss it on the air. So anyway, uh, but it says that they renounce the hidden things of dishonesty
3: and they don't
2: walk in the craftiness. And I explained what the craftiness is. And nor handling the word of God deceitfully and I pointed out that the word deceitfully there is the word dolo it's not the, the normal word for deceit uh, it, it's it, it's a word that is uh, uh, translated uh, handled deceitfully it appears one time in the Bible in this one spot <laughs> only in this one spot but we know the word deceit shows up all over the place so this word only shows up one time. And the definition of the word is to ensnare. That's the first definition. The second definition of the word is to corrupt. That's what it means. And so when when you look at it and, and you're reading it, it says, you know, I mean, people look at it and they say, you know, that it has to do with they've deceived us. You know, that's a, that's a common thing that people want to say. They deceived us. It's their fault they deceived us. No, they snared you. They corrupted you. They got you to covet your neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority, the men in government who exercised authority. And Paul said that was a snare. David said that was a snare. Proverbs said that it was a snare, that it was a net. It says it over and over again. We have articles on all those. Even Peter says, through covetous practices, they will make merchandise of you. So somebody's saying, how do I stop being merchandise? Well, you can stop being merchandise and you can get out of the system, so to speak, but they can come back for years and years and years and get you. But nobody should be afraid. We're not to move from fear. Fear is what they get everybody to move from. We're supposed to move from love. So and if we were actually seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we would be gathering together, which is what it says, we would be making manifestation of the truth,
0: commending
2: ourselves to every man's conscience. In the sight of God. Commending. Approving. That's what it means. Actually the definition is translated command ten times. Approve two times. Consist once. Make once. Stand once. Stand with once. But the definition is to place together. To set in the same place. To bring or band together. So when he's saying commend ourselves. Band together. Band together in what? Tens, hundreds, and thousands? But he didn't say tens, hundreds, and thousands. But That's actually what he means. But he specifically is talking about commending, banding ourselves to every man's conscience. So you sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands in a free assembly, not in a PMA. You do not want your free assemblies to become a PMA. I say this in case they're still listening. If they become a PMA, now everybody could be vulnerable. And they were doing this in Greece. And they actually did it in England as well. And they passed a law that if one of you in your PMA created a crime, all of you could be held responsible for his crime. Financially. Financially responsible for his crime because they had a PMA I mean virtual PMA it's like a PMA I mean again you have to look at what PMA our congregations are preassemblies, but the religious orders the little flocks that belong to Christ that have no personal estate take no benefits have no numbers for benefit purposes They are in another jurisdiction. But they're not free. They're slaves of Christ. And as slaves of Christ, their goal is to help you be set free and return every man to his family and every man to his possession. This is what the early church was doing. This is what Theodosius was doing. This is what Peter was doing. This is what Paul was doing. And they became targets but they also had the Holy Spirit. And you need to know how that works because it may need to hide you from time to time. Maybe get some uh, lady who makes, uh, dies tread to lower you down the outside of a building (laughs) like the apostles and hide you out. Or maybe they'll need the ravens You know, the ones who are outside of the system, but just making it because of their own particular efforts and skills and competence. Remember, all those efforts and skills and abilities that you have, they were given to you by God, but God giveth, he can take away. So God gives to you, you need to use it to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is actual government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's what what it said in the Whitecliffe Bible, that this is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And the government of God operates by charity, by faith, by hope, casting our bread upon the waters in hopes that it comes back to us after many days. It's a huge responsibility, and the power and purse strings of the government are in the hands of the individual, family, the heads of those families in free assemblies in PMAs, but an, a religious order is somewhat like a PMA. But anyway, I've, I've kind of beat that dead horse. But anyway, you can go back to Second Corinthians, and eventually we'll have the recording from this morning show up there. We may even have this recording up there. What I was going to go on to is is Timothy. Because we don't really have recordings up for First Timothy. I've talked about First Timothy, and I've got lots of notes uh, on the pages that we have at preparingyou.com. And uh, uh, I'm still building these notes, so I don't want to get in, into it too heavy. So I'm going to be going back and looking. Why uh, chat only presented itself after you turned it on. Oh, okay. Uh, so, evidently, if I don't go into the chat, the chat isn't there. At least some people can't see it. I thought everybody could see it. I, I think it kind of depends on if you're on the page. I send a page link, but I'll talk to the guy who's saying this because I'll probably see him today. Uh, I, can, I can send him a cryptic message. I have blue boxes. <laughs> he knows what that means. Uh, The rest of you don't know what that means. That's a secret, secret code. I see another hand sticking up. So I'm going to take another call rather than go into Timothy. So let's see if it activates the mic. 6925, you're on the air. Hello. Hello.
3: I know who you are. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So I'm chiming in because to make my roundabout thing not so long cause I can be a rambler. Um, I, my husband and I decided to go we live up in the middle of nowhere and we were like, we should just go to the church down the street because we're in such a rural community that we should connect with the people that are in our area because we live like 35 minutes from any store. And I ended up chatting with a woman for like 15, 20 minutes afterwards. And she actually said to me, which is why I chimed in. Cause I want to make sure that my question gets answered. And I I missed the first part of the broadcast and she was telling me, oh, you bought the old Mansfield property. Do you know that way back behind your property, there's this old cemetery that isn't maintained by Washington County. And it's like back. And she kind of like gave me the directions and said that she would take me out there. So I was like, I heard. You, just the PMA part where the woman was talking and you mentioned something about cemeteries and not being, you know, and then I, I didn't get the whole gist of it. So I just wanted to know if that was... Okay, so basically you know, the met
2: on cemeteries. One of the things, if you're going to have a government, and like I, I mentioned these people that are, they're from, uh, yeah, actually the Kurds should take advice from this and they may already be doing it. The Kurds were a whole nation of people. And somewhere along the line, the United Nations uh, had promised the Kurds during World War II that they would help take care of the Kurds uh, when the war was over. They would give them their own homeland back uh, because they had been under, you know, the the Turkish Empire and different places and, and persecuted. But instead, they divided the Kurdish land up and gave some to Iran and some to Iraq and some to Turkey. And so the Kurds have no homeland. But they could have their own government in the other government, but they have to have some place where their government meets that the other government doesn't have any jurisdiction over. And of course, that's exactly what the Christians did, which is why they were meeting in cemeteries. And many of the cemeteries back then were catacombs, even in small towns way off uh, they would meet, and in, in, in we can find evidence that Christians were making marks inside these catacombs, inside these burial areas, all over Israel. They still are there. They're still covering the caves uh, that were tombs and catacombs all over Israel today. And, of course, it was all over Greece and everything. In, in Malaysia, I came across people that were a nationality. They're not Malaysian. Uh, they're not uh, thailand They're not Vietnamese. Uh, They're not Indonesian. They were another whole nation of people, and they were self-governing, but they were swallowed up by all the nations that appeared on the scene after World War II because that's what World War II was really all about. Uh, You had to become a – there were people traveling all over the world that weren't citizens of any country whatsoever, and they could go from country to country, and they were not. Citizens of those countries They might be another nationality But they were not citizens of those countries And they could travel And they were, they were called internationals And they could enter countries But World War Two made it So you had to become an allegiance To one country or another Or uh, They wouldn't let you travel anymore Well Like I was saying earlier in the show There are still people all over the world In many countries, lots of them uh, actually in Romania there's large groups. Now the people that were here at the Burning Bush Fe- Festival from Romania uh, uh, they're not a part of that. that. I don't even know if they know about that. We, it didn't come up in our conversation. We'll find out more as time goes by. But they don't have numbers. and they're, They've been living in communist countries for years. Usually in rural areas. But uh, back to your question of the cemetery. The county doesn't keep up. Good. <laughs> but it's, it's probably off the tax rolls. Uh, almost guaranteed it's off the tax rolls. Because once it goes off as a cemetery, it almost never comes back on the tax rolls. Never. And all over the world, this is the case. Because those people in Malaysia would meet in cemeteries. And just like the Christians would meet in cemeteries. So, if you have a little mm-hmm. tiny piece of land nearby and you end up forming congregations, I would mow that cemetery and start taking care of it. And uh Okay. Now, I don't know if it's adjacent to your property. She it says it's out back. It's it's near there somewhere. But It's yeah. near it's
3: near like our property used to be all one farm. And uh-huh. then the the county took it back they the owners ended up losing it for whatever anyway so there's only like five houses yeah something uh so there's five property or five properties within 700 acres and it's somewhere on this 700 acres but she told me it's near like i know it's not behind me but i think it's behind the next lot which is right all you know, well, the thing is is that if you find
2: that cemetery then you got to go to a county and look at a county plat map and like i said people who know how to do this you know i okay uh you know my son can do it on his phone and he pull it up find mm-hmm. out if there was a church and usually there are not always because sometimes mm-hmm. there's private cemeteries but that works too but establish okay. a cemetery on a piece of property and then start taking care of it, uh, that then now you become the caretakers. Nobody else is going to fight you for taking care of it. And, and maybe taking care of it is like no. mowing it a times a year. But find out if there's a church property related to that, that still may, you know, it may be very small, maybe just had a building on it, but it may still be in existence, and it's probably all off the tax rolls. But you just have to research that to find out. But uh, there is a value if we're seeking the kingdom, if we're gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, if we're actually following the narrow way, and and we've done all those things that I was saying that Paul was talking about in Corinthians, is that we have uh, renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, so we're actually willing to see the truth, and we're not walking after Mm -hmm. craftiness. We're not trying to get things out of our neighbor through men who exercise authority. We're not handling the word of God deceitfully, which of course is not the word deceitful, but the word craftily to bring us back into the bondage. And of course, Peter says it's the covetous practices that bring us into bondage. And of course, it's the churches to say that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through governments that exercise authority, even though Christ said not to do that. So anyway, All those things come into place, plus you have some property that you have access to. It's off the tax rules. We can have a church meeting there. (laughs) But ultimately, what's going to protect us is not these technicalities of the law, although Christ used those technicalities, but it's the Holy Spirit. So it may play into something that's interesting. It's worth pursuing and finding out. Uh, because if it's big enough to put a- it.
3: thing that, that she said that, and then I was trying to log in, trying to log in, couldn't get in the chat and everything, and then you had mentioned it, and I, it, I know it was. It was one of those things that was, you know, like, ding, yeah. ding it taps you on the back of your head, and I was like, oh, Oh, I heard that for a reason. I knew then hey, when she said that. I was. Well,
2: you, you, you keep in touch. Let me know what you find. If it's big enough to put a church building on, you could probably build a church building okay. on. Now, there's a few things you have to do, but nothing very difficult uh, because you have to remove all other claims. We've got to find out who – why is there a cemetery there? Was it related to a church, or is it a mm-hmm. private cemetery? Is it off the tax rolls now? And, and all that's pretty easy to find out. But anyway, yeah, I know who you are. I okay, actually like look at your Facebook to see who you – I always want to see what people look like. Uh, <laughs> oh. I don't think I can remember your husband. but I think I may have seen his hand in a picture or something, <laughs> fishing or something. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay,
2: but anyway, thanks for the call, okay. and keep keep okay. us posted. Okay, God bless. So that was interesting. So anyway, disconnecting her mic. Okay, uh, I think she's still listening. But um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot to this, and everybody doesn't have to learn all of it. What we need to learn is how to love one another, and you know, and putting away those things of deceitfulness. And that's craftiness. And start, you know, j- just, uh, that was one of the things this Derek uh, Jester was saying, that uh, that Paul refers to Jesus as doing a short work. What he's doing is a simple work. Because it's really simple. Sit down in the tens, hundreds of thousands, and free assemblies. Start caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, which... Certainly starts with those people that are sitting down with you, but it also extends out to other people in your community, who may be Baptist or Catholic or Muslim or uh, Black, White, Green, Orange, Yellow, whatever. And but you get to extend your care and charity according to the leading of the leading of the Holy Spirit and. What you're what actually the, the mystical thing that takes place is the Holy Spirit in them, the light in them is helped by the light in you, and the light in them also helps you. And and this is where the kingdom really begins to grow, is on this on this connection of love and charity. And with that will come the signs of wonders. But we don't start with the signs of wonders. Because Jesus says very clearly, blessed are those who believe not by signs and wonders. By the time you're seeing signs and wonders, all heck is breaking loose. So right now, and of course now, like uh, Sarah Mason was saying is that she said, oh, like ding, ding, <laughs> like the whole bell went off. Uh, I just heard about this, and then all of a sudden I'm hearing this when I finally get logged on, and so it must mean something, and it may. But what it means exactly, you know, I saw things years ago, that's those Kodak moments, and I said, this means something. But sometimes it was 30 years before I found out why that was important. (laughs) So, you know, and and it may not be what you think. It may be for another reason. Uh, It's kind of like a relay race you know and somebody passes you a baton and maybe you're just going to carry it over and pass it to somebody else and they're going to finish the race and uh, but you were a part of that thing and that's that's one of the reasons why so many people have trouble with depression uh I mean we don't have too much trouble here because we're too busy <laughs> but uh a lot of people have trouble with depression because of the fact that they uh They're not really taking and and investing the energy to care about other people as much as they care about themselves. That will lead to depression. And uh, naturally, we need to have that camaraderie. I mean, it's it's built into our nature. And, And of course, thieves and robbers have that. Communists have that. Socialists have that. You know, I mean, that's one of the amazing things about the left is they're they're way more organized than the right uh, because they need that in order to even function. You know, misery loves company, and they love each other's company. So it is good that we come together, and it does sometimes add to a sense of belonging to something that's greater than ourselves. That's a natural built-in chemical organism within our own selves. But we have to do it for the purposes of Christ. And the purposes of Christ was to lay down his life so that others may have life more abundant. He knows that that will bring life more abundant to him. But he has to do it sincerely for others. And that's why you gather. You don't gather together so that you have a group that will back you when you need help and all that stuff. You gather together so that you can be of help to others so that you will be able to put your ear to the pavement and say, does my brother need help? Well, maybe somebody in your 10-men congregation, 10-family congregation needs help, and you'll hear them at the meeting, and you can help them out. But there will be people, if we're talking kingdom, there will be people in Tennessee or Missouri or Texas or Mississippi or Romania that need help too, just like there was in the first century church. Where Paul, who was Romeos, had to go and bring them supplies and and, and bring them, help them out with a daily administration because there was a dearth in that land there was an economic disaster in that land and of course we see anybody's who been watching the news for the last 2 years and now you know they're cutting more and more leases for drilling oil is going to become more and more scarce so the prices are going to go up more and more food is going to go up ranchers are on the verge of going out of business they're going to come up with an MRNA vaccination for your cows they're not done but I don't want to sow fear I want to sow hope there's hope in the kingdom 600,000 or even if you want to think the numbers were 6,000 or 100,000 Israelites picked up in Egypt, went through some of the most inhospitable ground on in the face of the earth. They would walk all day, and they didn't even set up tents when they got to the place where they were going to camp. And of course, their camp was a mile long, because everybody is stretched out. I mean, you're, you're grazing cattle and sheep and goats are going along with them. So they're up in the hills on the side of the wadi picking up the grass that's there. There must have been grass that year so it must have been some rains that went through which is a miracle but eventually they had to have water come out of a rock. And you may have to have that too which takes me back to that dream which I'm not sharing <laughs> on this show. I'll save it for white rock gathering or the next burning bush festival <laughs> so anyway uh let's see we got one more hour left i looking down the key no more hands up you see, that's the same number uh, nobody in the chat room asking a question uh yeah so anyway back to we'll take a well let's listen before we start timothy i, I want to do a little bit more work on that timothy page but Uh, And then we're going to eventually go to Matthew, and we're going to be doing Matthew. I've been working on that. Uh, But then we're going to tie that together with Ezra, which is really important to understand what was going on when these Israelites were going back to Jerusalem and going to build the temple. And they were going to build the temple according to the ways of the ancients. And they didn't. And the old men wept because they knew they didn't. And some will tell you they wept for joy, but they didn't weep for joy. They wept because they weren't building the temple according to the ways of Abraham and Moses. If you want to know what that was like? Go listen to our show, on Exodus. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, yeah, I was losing my voice this morning. Uh and let's see i'm uh, looking for okay um there are a number of writers who are writing about the effect of christians they uh rome you know from that period of time from 33 AD to 100 150 AD and it, it takes us from uh tiberius was the emperor at the time that jesus christ was crucified and Great changes had gone. We've already done Julius Caesar, and we've talked about Augustus Caesar. You can go back and look at uh, those articles, and I think I have audios on some of those. You can go back and and find out more about them. But uh, Tacitus is is, uh, an interesting writer and despised Christians and, and did not like them whatsoever. You know, and, you know, Tacitus published the Annals, uh, and and also another publication which he calls the Histories, which examines the reigns of each individual emperor, because that's how they were judging history, by what the emperors were doing. That's not what they were doing for the first 500 years of the Roman Republic, but once the Republic was dead under Augustus, I mean, he was still, when he ran for election, most people don't know he ran for election, that was part of his campaign problem. It's a return to the republic. Now, he wasn't as senile as your president is now. But, you know, I hear people saying that, oh, he's, your president, president has done so much, and he's accomplished so much, and he's done so much, and they just lie. They just saw these lies, and they just keep saying it. People actually believe it. But, of course, the truth is hidden from them. For us that aren't walking in the ways of the lie, we've, we've forsaken that. We see, well, oh, that isn't true. Well, what can we do about it? Well, we can do nothing about it if we don't sit down and attempt hundreds of thousands. I mean, you can save yourself, maybe, maybe, maybe. But that isn't the spirit of Christ. He didn't come to save himself. And if we're going to come in his name, we have to come to save others. You know, I mean, like, what am I? Am I going to save myself and start another family at three-quarters of a century? (laughs) No, I'm pretty much committed. I've already spent my life putting together all this work so that people can set down the baggage of false religion and start walking in the ways of Christ. But anyway, uh, the emperor, from the death of Augustus through Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, Nero, uh the first Jewish-Roman war of 70 AD, this, this period would include the changes in the Roman culture that would bring its decline and the, and the time in which Jesus appointed his kingdom to the early church, to the early ecclesia, uh, was going to rise up this Christian conflict with Rome. It would bring more persecution. But when Rome finally collapsed for almost a thousand years, Christianity flourished. There was a, a very flourishing society, prospering. There was almost as many people living in Europe in 176 AD, which is this you know, 100 years after the fall of Jerusalem as there was in 1776. That's a, that's a huge, you know, what? why so many people then? And they lived that way for a long time. I mean, there was a couple of times there around 540 where there was global cooling and lots of people starved. But I can tell you this, the Christians during that period fared well. The people who weren't Christians, they just starved. I mean, there was hardly any game. There was, there was no summer, so you couldn't grow any crops. But I'll lay you odds a hundred to one. Not that I'm going to bet money on it. That Christians knew that cold spell was coming and prepared for it, which is easy to do. I can tell you how they prepared for it. And and they did it because they were a network still. But a lot of people weren't in that network. They didn't fare through that period. There was reports of cannibalism all over Europe. Actually, at the same time, there was cooling in China. And there was reports of cannibalism in China as well. Because there just wasn't any food. There were no crops. And most people have a habit of eating every day. (laughs) I don't, but a lot of other people do. (laughs) So so anyway, to give you an idea of some of the things that uh, this Tacitus wrote about, uh, and and we'll get into what he wrote about the Christians. But Tacitus is generally seen as an old-fashioned Republican who dreams of the restoration of the Republic Roman Republic, and this view is seemingly underlined by his comment that Germanicus, who was one of the ones who had was a possible rightful heir to the throne of uh, of Augustus Caesar, and and along with uh, Tiberius' biological son Drusus. So Tiberius was the emperor at the time that Jesus Christ was crucified. Augustus was the Caesar at the time he was born. But um, Drusus was actually the son of Tiberius and probably had a better right to the throne than Caligula, who may have actually smothered Tiberius. You know, a lot of people don't know Tiberius's granddaughter. His favorite granddaughter, according to some writers, was Pontius Pilate's wife. Mentioned in the New Testament, who said, this is a good man. Don't hurt him. Don't do anything to him. Because she became a Christian. According to the Greek Orthodox, they both became Christians and actually started churches. But anyway, Drusus and Germanicus were both killed, poisoned, because they wanted to give the Romans back their rights. I'm quoting some uh, another author, and I have the footnotes, uh, Tacitus the Perfect Man by Emma Southen, uh, which is a publication back in 2017. Many years ago, 2017. <laughs> and so it's fairly recent. But really what Germanicus, Tacitus, and Drusus wanted to do was they wanted to make Rome great again. But this is the problem with uh, Publius, Tacitus, because he didn't really know. He, he had hints about it. He, he wrote about the Libra Res Publica. And, and Libra Res Publica means free from things public. That's, that's when you own your own land. There's no property tax. There's no tax on your labor because you're not in the bondage of Egypt. You, you own your own livestock so nobody can come in and force vaccinate your livestock. That's Libera respublica, which is where they get the word republic. That, that's a pure republic. Tacitus didn't think we could ever have that again. It's because he didn't really understand Christ. And the, and the reason he didn't understand Christ is because he didn't understand 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read it. but it, And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is telling you, of course, That you have to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Because he still thought that the government needed to have a social safety net for the people. He thought that was still a good thing. He did admit that Julius Caesar was probably committing war crimes. He did admit that Nero probably burned down Rome. He he reported that much. And then he tried to blame it on the Christians. But he still didn't like Christians. You know why? Because he thought Christians were atheists. Because Christians would not eat at the table of Romans. Which is, of course, following Caligula, after Caligula was stabbed to death, in a real insurrection, (laughs) they stabbed him to death. And they stabbed his whole family to death. And they killed almost everybody. That, had anything, that that could possibly inherit the throne because they wanted to go back to the republic. But you cannot restore the republic with the point of a knife or with a rifle or an assault weapon or an AK-40. You can't restore a republic with that. One of the most amazing things that I read, you know, and I, I kept finding it over and over again reading the history of the American so-called revolution. I, I say... Americans didn't revolt. The king revolted. I explained that elsewhere. But battle after battle that were won by American troops, nobody died in. Isn't that amazing? Most of the people who died during the American Revolution were either murdered by Hessian troops and other mercenary troops or they died of exposure and just flat out difficulty, they didn't die of bullets. And artillery wasn't that good yet. They died from the effort. You know, like when uh, Clark, George Rogers Clark was going out and taking these forts that were out in the wilderness, these guys would wade all day to swamps with their hands over their head in the wintertime. And then they'd surround a fort and they would just pepper the fort with bullets until the guys inside finally surrendered. Fort Ticonderoga, they didn't, they didn't kill anybody. They just took it over. <laughs> so, you know, what, what's the deal? That's a different kind of revolution. Nonviolent insurrection. But there were battles at the time. And there were battles with Moses. But Moses took over most of the promised land because the people welcomed woken, woken them. because the governments were corrupt, which is the good news. Now that we know the government is corrupt, they will receive the wrath of God. We just have to make sure that we don't receive the wrath of God <laughs> and we will receive the wrath of God if we haven't renounced the hidden things of dishonesty and if we're, Not walking, if we are walking in craftiness, and if we're handling the word of God with deceitfulness, which is really with a snare, which, of course, that's what all these churches are doing. They're saying that it's absolutely okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through government. Even though Jesus said not to, Peter said that it would make you merchandise, it would curse your children, it would return you to the bondage of Egypt. That's because they were ha- they're handling the Word of God deceitfully, so that it becomes a snare the way they interpret it, but I'm telling you if you repent, think differently, and start coming together to be the government of the people for the people and by the people through free assemblies and the perfect law of liberty and faith hope and charity, then you can begin to manifest the truth in which case you will be commending. Every man to his conscience. If you don't commend every man to his conscience, we cannot return every man to his family and to his property because that's what you're doing. When you commend him to his conscience, you let him decide what he wants to give and not give. And and he does this by giving to a minister of his choice. He looks out amongst himself. He finds a minister he trusts, and he gives it to that minister. And those ministers bear witness to one another. But they rightly divide his offering to the needy of their society to get them through what will be hard times. All you need is a, like a month where you don't have any food, and you're in a lot of trouble. And, and we may have more than that. But I won't. I don't want to do any scare tactics. So anyway, this is very important that we begin to see this. Tacitus could not see that that's what the Christians were doing because Tacitus did not renounce the idea of a social safety net through the government. That it needs to be a social, social safety net through faith, open charity, not through men who exercise authority. Ben Shapiro has not renounced that. Kind of hymns and haws with it. But if he would to accept the truth and renounce that idea, he's going to have to go to his Jewish Orthodox synagogue and tell all the people in that synagogue they need to renounce that. They need to put away the Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect, and start taking care of one another to charity alone, to free will offerings alone, which is why I pointed out Jehovah Nisi's altar said they have to be free will offerings. And this is what Jordan Peterson They did not make the connection suitably, sufficiently, that the altars were the social safety net. They instead, they had to have slavery because they didn't have a social safety net. What? What? (laughs) What Bible are you reading? But of course, I understand because they haven't put away the things of dishonesty. And they haven't, haven't even walked. They continue to walk in the way of craftiness instead of the way of righteousness. You see? Now, if I can have a conversation with them, If I can start to put this together where it goes out to these people like Prager, Jordan Peterson, uh, Ben Shapiro and all the other, there's all kinds of other ministries that are kind of teetering on the kingdom of God. Some of them will accept it, some of them will reject it. I'm not responsible for that. I'm just responsible for trying to get it to them. And then they start bearing witness like the Roman centurion you know, I, I, you know, that's what is so amazing. You know, I always thought the Roman centurion story was amazing, but then when I'm finding out, so many Roman soldiers became Christians. Why the Roman soldiers? Now I'm sure a lot of them didn't, but you know, they had the the spirit of taking care of one another. Like they were, they were virtually band of brothers. Some of the battles that they were in, although most Roman centurions never pulled their sword in battle, isn't that amazing? Of course, most of the soldiers in World War II never shot the enemy. Most of the soldiers never shot the enemy. Most of the people working in the military, let's put it that way. I mean there are cooks, <laughs> there's supply sergeants, there's people bringing stuff up the front. They're not on the front lines. There's really a very small percentage on the very front lines. Because that's the way armies run. But you have to understand what they were actually doing. So Tacitus is saying they were trying to restore the republic and make Rome great again. But they didn't like Christians. You know, um, but he did also write the the more numerous the laws, the more corrupt the government. He actually says this in, in several different ways. The more corrupt the state, the more laws. Uh, Epacitus repeatedly contrasts the res publica, which is republic. It's a way of writing republic. Under the emperors, with a pre-Augustus Libera Respublica. I'm quoting here. And in uh, the Germania 37, encountering the disasters which Germans inflicted upon the Respublica Romanorum, he distinguishes between the old Respublica, which he calls the Populus Romanos, and the new Res Publica, which he calls Caesar. The old Res hardly had a mixed constitution, which dreamers assigned it, and which actually never can exist. But it was something greater and majestic, which lives on as a glorious memory. In a mean age. So, what what's he talking about? If it used to say in dictionaries, actually a dictionary put out by um, I can't remember the name of the dictionary, but it was actually through it's one of these first online kind of dictionaries that you could actually get a copy of it on a disk, uh, and it was put out by Bill Gates. Uh, System And in it, it used to say, may not anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't think it does anymore. That the first republic was Israel. First recorded republic. Of course, I know in history, they go back much earlier. That's actually what Seth and all those guys were doing. Uh, they they were setting there was these two groups you had the city of Cain and Nimrod and Lamech they were setting up cities of blood but there's another group that were setting up republics where the people were free from things public but they still took care of the needy of their society to faith hope and charity what happens when you do that is you create social bonds. Would sustain society in hard times, whether the hard times or a famine or or global climate change. <laughs> because I mean, Rome was overrun because of global climate change. But and, and the planet got warmer at the time of Rome. They they talk about beech trees growing high up on the mountains. That never grew up on the mountains because uh, because it would get too cold up on the mountains. But the 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 elevation at which they grew was higher and higher. Tacitus even talks about this. Other historians talk about it. So and, and but it created great, you know, uh crop weather and they were growing all kinds of crops. Eventually Rome wasn't growing as many crops as it used to be. America used to feed the whole world. We don't grow we don't have uh six months of grain in the pipeline worldwide for the people of the world. You have a serious global climate change and bread's going to be $50 a loaf. Overnight that could happen. And they will ration it. And there will be guards at the door and they don't care whether you're wearing a mask, but you have to have a ration stamp to get the food out. You know, or or a card, electronic card. It says how much grain you get, how much bread you get, because they're going to ration it. And you may get a driver's license without a number, but I'll bet you won't get that without a number. But if you've been seeking the kingdom, it probably will be workarounds everywhere. But if you're not seeking the kingdom, I guess you're on your own. But, uh yeah, There's a reason why Christ said, sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and why the early church was organized in that way. And that wasn't so strange to them, because like I said, all the synagogues were still organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. But their welfare was trickle-down welfare from the temple, because all the money that you paid in went straight up, which of course is why Jesus had to fire the money changers. Because they were they were corrupt. And we, we tell you how much money they were going to walk away in their pockets that month of Adar, except for Jesus fired them. And they weren't going to get that. And I didn't calculate it out. There was another archaeologist famous. I think it was Edersheen. But I, I can't remember. But it's in the articles. Those money changers were going to make a lot of money, clipping coins. They were going to have. They were going to walk away with, I don't know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of silver. But Jesus fired him. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Only the King could do that, and that's what he was doing. Now we're not going to have somebody running for president. that's going to figure this all out because we're actually looking at the, you know, Moses was the rightful pharaoh of Egypt. That particular time, but he he didn't want to sit on the throne. And, and this this is actually playing out. You know, I I, I see on the burning bush I t- told some people the story. Who's the rightful king of England? He don't live in England. The rightful king of England lives in Australia. <laughs> And there are thousands of English people that want him to stand up and take back the throne from Charles. I'm talking thousands. And they got money. They know it'll be millions of dollars and drag out in the courts. And they've approached him. Last I heard, he only has daughters. But those daughters are grown up now. But you know what he said? When they asked him if he would do this, they approached him because he is the rightful heir to the throne. That isn't the guy sitting on the throne. It wasn't. It wasn't Caligula. who was the rifle. They'd poisoned Germanicus. It wasn't Drusus. They'd poisoned Drusus. Dru- you know, I see poor Kennedy running for office. You know, it doesn't look like he has a chance. They're stopping him at every turn. But he's starting to name names. <laughs> he's starting to tell
4: people what's what.
2: But I thought, if you get anywhere near the presidency, not that he's your salvation. The salvation is still Christ. But if he got anywhere near the presidency with what he knows, I mean, he's already said he'd disband the CIA and probably turn the FBI over to the marshals. FBI will Cease being a law enforcement agency. It never was. It's called the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They're only supposed to investigate. They're not supposed to be law enforcement. It's not part of their original charter. They should not do any arrests except through the U.S. Marshals. And then then we have to look at how many crimes have become federal crimes. And I mean, there's so many layers to it. It's just ridiculous. But I tell you, the solution, again, is Christ. We have to actually do what he says And and we're not doing that We have to turn around Think differently Start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness So Tacitus went on to say The more corrupt the state The more numerous the laws I have several quotes down here To plunder, to slaughter, to steal These things they misname empire and where they make a wilderness, they call it peace. And what he's talking about is what what uh, Caesar did when he went and killed over a million Gauls. Just murdered them. A million, baited them. Uh, Firebombed them when they were just trying to get their families to safety. They weren't attacking anybody. This is the war crimes that other people wanted to have Julius Caesar arrested for and tried for was was part of the justification of stabbing him and uh, the he was catapulting fire bombs into the midst of women and children and they they were notifying it's just women and children their baggage train going to another area partially because of climate change because things were starting to get a little colder but uh it, it happened from time to time but uh he was firebombing them. But uh, anyway, so they eventually tried to fight the Romans and were defeated, but that, that's what he was setting them up time and time again. I mean, he came close to losing several times. But the Teutons, uh, well, it wasn't the Teutons, the Gauls weren't as well organized. they That's where France is today. They're still not well organized. They, they, they show up for the riot <laughs> and the demonstration, but Until they sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, they will not be able to feed. Because two reasons. They're not organized properly and they don't have the Holy Spirit. Because that comes when you gather in the name of Christ. In the name of Christ is that you're gathering again for the purposes of others, to set them free. To to commend them to their conscience. These people rioting, Half of them are still socialists. They're just upset that the socialist programs aren't working. What we should be doing is gathering so they don't need any socialist programs because we're practicing pure religion. But they made that area of France, of Gaul, they made it a wilderness piece. As Julius Caesar said when he came into Gaul, Gaul est tres partiae. Gaul was divided into three parts. Then later he said, and I will give you the uh, more classical pronunciation. He stood on the hill and said, "Wayne, weedy, weechy. I came, I saw, I conquered." He didn't say he was attacked. He just sold a million Gauls into slavery, murdered their husbands and sold the wives and children into slavery. And then, but he was very clever. He took the money and he reorganized the welfare system in Rome, the free bread in Rome. And Trajan would do the same later on. And you have your governments doing the same thing, but they've gone, they've been doing that for decades now. now what we have is they're coming on what we can only call the whirlwind. we have allowed them to destroy nation after nation and take their freedom away under the lie that we were bringing them freedom we started this way back with Chiang Kai-shek you know he wasn't any saint but I mean he wasn't Mao Tse Tung but he wasn't any saint nations are not saved individuals are saved And individuals have choices, they have consciences, and they have to live according to them. And we're just showing you how that is in a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And that only works, you can only have your rights back, which Drusus and Germanicus wanted to restore the people their rights. You can only do that if you restore their responsibilities on an individual basis. Tacitus knew that but he didn't know about the individual basis. He said the responsibility to do what? To the government. The government was the benefactors who exercised authority. Christ said, no, not that way. You have to become the government of the people, for the people, and by the people, and you cannot do that unless you gather in a network of charity. He goes, Publius tacitus goes on to say, the desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise
0: if you just want to
2: be safe if you're coming to be safe you want to gather in the tens hundreds of thousands so that you will have some sort of resource safety that stands against every noble enterprise in a state where corruption abounds laws must be very numerous he says again and reason the judgment Uh, are the qualities of a leader. Reason and judgment are the qualities of a leader. Right reason is what Christ preached. Again, right reason, will of God, those are synonymous terms. Truth is confirmed by inspection and delay, uh, falsehood by haste and uncertainty. And, of course, the the that he's talking about, again, is those uh, those hidden things of dishonesty. That's why I want to take us through and understand what was going on then. And we'll, we'll take a look at other laws eventually that were going on. Rome already knew, back with Julius Caesar, that they were facing collapse, social collapse. uh uh, population collapse and they were doing all kinds of things to increase the size of the roman family roman families used to be big 10 kids very common 11 kids 12 kids very common now they were if you 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 were expected to have three children as a man you were expected to have at least three children And and if you had four children, extra privileges would come. Actually, extra privileges would come. You would be exempt from certain taxes if you had three children. Actually, Russia is starting some of these same programs. If they're facing that collapse. Why? Why is Europe, why is America facing that collapse? It's because your children are not your Social Security. The government is. You don't need kids. They're aborting them. They're farming them out to public education. They're depending. Yeah, you know, they don't even take care of their parents. They do no more up for their parents. That they collect Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. They don't. Do, the church should be paying for your welfare and your health care if your family has broken down, like if your children die or. If you haven't had any children and you're 35 years old and you don't have any prospects, you need to find a family and start helping them and become Aunt Fanny <laughs> or whatever whatever your name is. Uh, you need to be helping other families. And if you were in congregations of tens, hundreds of thousands, you could do that. And, and people would be happy to take care of you in your old age. But if you if you don't have a family and you're not going to be able to start one at this late stage, you need to do something. Because all the money you got saved in your 401k that could disappear overnight. It might be not enough to buy a hamburger in the days to come. Because they plan on having you eat bugs. <laughs> yeah any good at bug eating? <laughs> I mean that's what the story is. The great reset, but you know I mean they they've got all kinds of plans for you, but God has a plan too. You need to seek that plan. He said that many who seem to be struggling with adversity are happy, many amid great affluence are utterly miserable. I have seen that I worked in Beverly Hills. And uh, Bel Air uh, making cabinets for the stars and their children were a mess, an absolute mess. But I've also worked in poor communities. One of the things I noticed in the poor communities, sometimes the poorest people in the community were the more like, most likely, it used to be that way in this rural community, most likely to pay you on time. And if they didn't pay you on time, I've had guys take years to pay me. And and I I said, I'm not going to send you any more statements. Just pay me when you can. They came back and they paid. But the rich guys I've done work for, those are the ones you have to watch out for. And you take a look at their family and, and they're miserable. He says a shocking crime was committed on an unscrupulous uh, initiative of a few individuals with the blessing of more and amid the passive acquiescence of all. What's he talking about? Well, there's several incidences of this, but this is Julius Caesar. Shocking crime. murdered a million Gauls and sold as many into slavery. Horrible. And And the populace passive acquiescence we don't even know how to stop the corruption that we see you know we think well well, in in three more years or two more years we can vote and I don't think there's been an honest election in Oregon since they instituted mail-in ballots I I know it's gotten worse and worse but people don't see they don't want to see Fear is not in the habit of speaking truth. When perfect sincerity is expected, perfect freedom must be allowed. Nor has anyone who is apt to be angry when he hears the truth any cause to wonder that he does not hear it. See, Tacitus did not understand that Christians weren't afraid to live by faith, hope, and charity. He was. He didn't think they could do it. He thought it was a dream. He couldn't imagine not having a system of social welfare through the state. Most of the people out there today, they think you can't have that. I remember talking to somebody in Maryland 50 years ago. And he said, we can't do this in our church. First, First time somebody gets cancer, the church will be broke. Well, not if Christ is with you because all he has to do is lay hands and they'll be healed. But you have to have the faith to walk that. So what he's saying is we have to covet our neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority because we can't afford not to. Oh, yeah, he can. I have seen people refuse to spend money for medical intervention because they had cancer. Instead, they they went away, not to, you know, burden anybody. And they actually took a trip back to Greece, and they went on the Mediterranean diet. Nobody had called it that. It was just he was in the Mediterranean, the old home instead of his grandfather. And uh, there was a, a grandmother there that was an aunt or something. And he took care of her property because she couldn't do it. He was in his 60s. He started a business, a vegetable farm business. He lived to his late 90s. He was supposed to be dead in six months with cancer. It all disappeared because he changed his diet. He also changed his attitude. He also walked in faith. I've seen lots of people miraculously cured. But I don't believe by signs and wonders. I believe because that's the way we should be doing it. So, anyway... He, when he talks about Germania, and, and you can go read that. I don't know if I'll go any farther on this because uh, we are running out of time, but uh, and I'm running out of voice. But he talks about the contrast. There, there was no alcoholism. There was all kinds of alcoholism in Rome. There were all kinds of orphans in Rome. There was all kinds of breakdowns of family in Rome. But he, when he went to visit the teutons, which he calls, you know, uh germania uh he saw that the people were different uh, that they, they operated in a much different way, and you know they didn't have any alcoholism that they, they didn't cheat on their wives or their wives cheat on their husbands that uh, uh, the chastity even amongst the unmarried to be worthy of the highest praise, he says. Well, if you weren't married in Rome, chances are, you, unless your family was wealthy, you were a prostitute. They had them everywhere. They didn't have them in Germany, at least not back then. I'm sure we can find them today. But the work ethic of them, compared to the licentiousness, he says, in Rome, and the, the the monogamy, of, of these uh, noble Germans. A- and, and he talks to you about, you know, like a, the wedding, get, they call them shield maidens in some parts. This is up in Scandinavian countries too, and you have to look at the language to see with. But, you know, a wedding gift might include a shield for the wife. <laughs> because the, the wife will hold the shield for the husband, so he's got two hands free. So he's got an axe and a bow and a sword and and all this stuff. Because they were a part, it was they were a team. And they were loyal to one. Love, honor, and cherish was a real thing amongst the Germans. And it made them powerful so that with a smaller army than the Roman disciplined troops, they could defeat the Romans to the man. They had a heck of a time with these guys. And they could muster an army overnight. And then I tell the story of uh, Herman the German, who was an exchange student of Rome and knew how Rome organized their military and everything. And he came up there and was helping the Germans organize to fight the Romans when they came. But after they did defeat the Romans, then he got a different uh, tactics and everything. And he thought to make himself the emperor of Rome. I mean, of the Germans. And his own family killed him and put his head on a speck, saying that it it isn't that we don't want a Roman emperor. We don't want an emperor at all. Because they still had this semblance of returning every man to his conscience. It was an all-volunteer army. Rome had gotten away from that. And this is why Rome would eventually fall. We've gotten away from that. We have our war on poverty and our war on drugs and our war on our neighbors. Oil—if they don't have oil, we probably won't. We won't go over there to have a battle. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've we've gone away from the righteousness of God. Away from the Righteousness of Early America. If you want to make America great, find out what America was doing in the 1840s and 1850s when Alexis Tocqueville, we have articles up on, uh, I mean, you can go get his books, but he tells about legal charity. That's a good article. Uh, You can just look up Alexis Tocqueville and you can read some of his quotes, find out what was going on. Tacitus had a lot of good ideas. I didn't understand that Christians were going to get their rights back when Rome collapsed because Christians wouldn't be a part of a system of legal charity or men who exercise authority one over the other take away from their neighbor to provide them with benefits. Christians wouldn't do that. They called that idolatry. So I'll take a quick look to see if any hands came up. I think that's uh, Sarah Mason's hand is still up. But I don't see anybody in the chat room that's asking a question. And my voice is almost gone. (laughs) So anyway, I'll I'll clean up this uh, recording along with the one this morning. And hopefully, I couldn't work on it this afternoon. Just too busy. And my wife has been away helping with a widow's estate. And uh, she's back now. And so I'm going to go out and help her do her chores so that she doesn't have to do them all herself uh, if she hasn't already done them. And so until we meet again, everybody go join the network. And and the network's not just an email group. It's people gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and starting to look and think a different way. And so everybody needs to start doing that in earnest, not just listen for years and years and years. And then... Not only I will share more with you, but the Holy Spirit will share more with you. Because you're willing to hear the cries of your brother. And that's the way you get out of the bondage of Egypt. Because that's how you got in there. You didn't hear the cries of your brother. So, I mean, that's what it says in the Bible. That's why they went into the bondage of Egypt. And the idea that you just covet your neighbor's goods... That's just icing on the cake of your own bondage. So hopefully everybody will repent of that. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.
1: You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom, .hisholychurch.net